He's a man of the people. This is his chance to look at the local angle and interview people of interest to him. It's his podcast. This is the Mike Hearn Project. Welcome to a new edition of the Mike Hearn Project. A couple of different interviews I've been able to do lately I thought uh, were neat to maybe share with some people. Uh, Sports Corner show that I get to host on uh, K94 every week has produced some really neat interviews. Uh, One of those you get to hear right now with Andre Knott of the Cleveland Indians. He had some really interesting things to say, especially as an Indians fan. I really liked it. And the other interview with a guy I'm a huge fan of, Brandon Gauden, the voice of the wildly successful Madden football video game series. I hope you enjoy. And that is how he set up a World Series matchup with Houston and Washington. Mike and Nate back on a Sports Corner joined now by Andre Knott of the Cleveland Indians. And we'll get to this in a second, but it seems like every other venue and every other broadcasting opportunity in Northeast Ohio. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing very well. How are you guys doing? Terrific. Did you Do you enjoy Joe Buck? I just want to ask you from a broadcasting perspective. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, well... It's one of those loaded questions. <laughs> it's a loaded question. It's a heck of a way to start. I see you want me to lead off with the bag. Um, he's an acquired taste is what I will say. And I will say this. I was just having a conversation with my wife. Um, doing play-by-play, uh, especially doing it on the, on the level that he does it, uh, more difficult than all of us probably give it credit for. I think it's easier sitting around when we're – and this is, I, I get why people don't like uh, or aren't big fans of him maybe. But I think, I, as I always say, when you got to carry the load through a Major League Baseball game, uh, it's a little bit more difficult than any of us want to uh, give it credit for. But is he my favorite play-by-play guy? No. But I, think he does a, I think he does a heck of a job for what he's asked to do. I will say I enjoyed uh, one of the – I forget which game it was earlier in the year. You got to do color with Rosie when Hammy was off. And I just want to say I really enjoyed your guys' broadcast that night. Thank you. I was uh, I was fun this year, um, and hopefully, and I do some in spring training with Rosie, and hopefully as we go along, I'll be able to do more of those. Um, it's fun. I, I've been, I know it's not an Andre Knott interview, but I've been lucky enough. I mean, I always, I got into this to do play-by-play. Play uh, <laughs> well, I got into this to do a, I got into this to do play-by-play, play, to be honest, and, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've, I did six years in the Browns doing sideline. I've done five now with the Indians. I totally appreciate it, but you know, there's still a curiosity for to me uh, about doing play-by-play or color in the booth, whether it be radio or television. So, did that give you a journalism degree at Kent State then? Uh, yes, it did. Yes, sir. It's uh, it, it's I, funny how things change. Like you go in with that idea of play-by-play and how you end up doing so many things, but it's afforded you a lot of cool opportunities. I would imagine. Absolutely, man. I think that's the main thing I try to tell. Uh, younger people, when I when I talk to classes and talk to people, is that heck. To be completely honest, you know, the job that I've had over the last, you know, for the last five, four or five years, really didn't exist. You know, like when we were when I first left to go to college or when I first went to high school, uh, being flexible and being understanding and, and reasonable, uh, I think are big parts of having success. And not only this business, but any business. Uh, I've just stayed prepared and I've learned and. and Heck, I've been blessed enough that, you know, when I first got in the business out of college, I worked for the Cavs 
doing their music. And the only reason I took the job or one of the jobs is because I got to sit behind Joe Tate, um, who I grew up emulating, grew up every you know, wham with the right hand, and I got to watch how he worked and watch how he prepared. Um, I think that, you know, I've worked with Jim Donovan. Uh, as he does play-by-play, and as he did play-by-play and learned from him. And um, Matt Underwood, how he, how he gets ready for a game and the information that he's able – to sponge away is unbelievable, and, and, and I've been around Hammy. So, to me, uh, I've lived the Northeast Ohioan dream when it comes to being around uh, play-by-play guys and just learning this business. What have you enjoyed most? I would imagine sitting in the booth and getting able to do the entire play-by-play part of it, but it's got to be a pretty dang cool thing to be on the sideline and then being able to be brought into the broadcast. Heck yeah! Um, the thing about being on, a, whether it be the NFL field or Major League Baseball field, uh, my worst day, my worst day at work is one of my best days in life. Um, this, I think, I, you know, I tell people this all the time, and I and I've learned this the hard way. The game of baseball is way harder when you're sitting sixty feet, ninety feet away from watching them play and seeing how hard the ball is hit, and seeing how quickly uh, things happen in the game. I know the, the talk today is, you know, George Springer uh, not running out that, that bomb that he hit yes last night. He should have run it out. And it's easy for us to all say that. But I get it when you're there and you, you, the emotions of it, you see and you think you hit a ball out. Um, I can see how it happens. I, just, I can say this. It's way easier to talk about the game than play the game when you see it as close as I do. And so that same, I'll never use the word quit with NFL players because I've watched you know, I've stood on the sideline and I've watched what some of those guys have gone through just to get on the field. The shots that they take before, during, and after games. Um, I think the average person would cringe if they knew what it took to get, you know, get to 90 guys on the football field every Sunday. Not just because of broadcasting, but you get kind of a different look at it because, I mean, you were a pretty terrific athlete in your day. Yeah, that helps. I, you know, that it, it did does help that I played. I know I've had people say, and I give the benefit of the doubt to the player more than, than most. And I probably do because I, you know, because I, heck, I never played at the level that they're playing at, but I get what it takes to get out there. I get what it takes uh, to be a positive, to play the way that they do and try to mentally get through it. You know, I always hear people go, oh, this team quit or this team rolled over. The one thing all of us do, all of us, me included, when the games are going on, we and, like, and I think there's a difference between quit and I think there's something about mentally being defeated. I think that, you know, for all the credit we get for how strong these guys are physically, I think a lot of us forget that, like, and this is goes for any of our jobs. When you mentally get smacked down and you don't, and you suddenly can't do or achieve what you thought you were going to do, I think a lot of us have a lap where we don't quit. But at the same time, you go through that mental moment of, okay, how the hell am I going to get through this? What am I going to do? And I think from the outside looking in, that can look like quitting. When in reality, it's not quitting. It's just mentally your, your head telling you, you may not be able to win this battle that you've told yourself all week or all day long that you can't. Well, and it's such an odd thing, too, because with the season so long, with the travel so long, you guys had in Cleveland uh, the, the Puig play this year where he didn't run one out. And I, I thought it was right. neat the, on the broadcast you guys showed on TV – how a couple of guys, Jose and Frankie, pulled him across and kind of said, hey, man, we're going to need you to to be here for every play and to kind of run that out and, and, and make sure that he was all right. 
Yeah, you know, it was one of those cool moments. You know, at the end of the season, we don't get to go over every play that we did or every, you know, every mistake we made or every great play that we made. But I thought this league one was good because it showed all the layers of what goes through into the game, whether it be Rick Manning breaking down how you can never do that. He was absolutely right. That's a no-no. You can't have that. It's just it's disrespectful to your teammates, to the other team, to you, to the game itself. We went through that part of it. But then we also, and I think this is where, uh, Rick has been great for me. I think Rick, I totally respect what Rick has done in the game and what he sees and what he knows about the game and the things he's taught me about the game. Him and Doug Deacon have been just beacons of information for me in the end of, so when it comes to baseball and football. Um, but at the same time, we have a producer and directors that understand, let's tell the whole story. And like you said, we were able to show the whole story of Puig knowing he screwed up, but because you instantly had Frankie and you instantly had Carlos Santana all over him. And Tito handled it the way Tito handled it. Tito gave him the business. And I thought the best was two or three weeks later, man, I, uh, Puig ran out. He got a single on a, on a ball hit to the shortstop. I and mean, I don't know if you guys remember it. I go up to him after the game and I go, man, uh, did you, how did you beat that out? He goes, because I embarrassed my team. I embarrassed myself by not running it out. And I know we're in a pennant race, but I'll never do it again. To me, that shows the depth of the type of player, the type of person that Puig is. Puig has some 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 differences to him, but the game matters to him. And I think sometimes we look at a guy like Puig and you see his hair and you see some of the different things he does, and it's easy to look at that guy and go, oh, you know, what a what a weirdo. Uh, but you saw in that moment when he ran that ball out and got that hit at shortstop after he made that mistake a couple weeks before that there's way more depth to Yasiel Puig than just the guy that just gave up. With myself being a, a Reds fan, I also got to enjoy the first part of the year with Yasiel Puig, and he, everybody talks about what he does on the field and in the clubhouse, but not a lot of people talk about how much of an impact he has on the community and the, mm-hmm. the foundations in each new city that he's been blessed to be in through his major league career. You are absolutely right. Um, I knew a little bit. I actually, and, and weird things happen in, in sports, we got to know Puig a little bit. Yeah, I mean, well, here, but hear this out. We, before the Indians even traded for Puig, when we were out in, on the West Coast, when we were out in, uh, taking on the Oakland A's, the Cincinnati Reds were on a six-game bender in Oakland, San Fran. They were out there, and we stayed in the same hotel. We, I got to know Yassiel Puig, Puig through Derek Dietrich, who's a Cleveland St. Ignatius kid who was playing second base for the Reds earlier in the year. We happen to be walking by the hotel bar, and we see Dietrich. We stop and start to stop to talk to Deke. Next thing you know, Puig comes in. We hang out with Puig for like two or three days. So by when he decided he was traded to the Indians, we had already kind of hung out with him, got to know him. We watched him when we were out in Oakland, out in San Francisco, go to the Boys and Girls Club out there. Um, like, like, there's so many little things that happen behind the scenes, but that was one of those for this past season. So when Puig got traded over, of course, you had the fight against Pittsburgh, which was a whole different thing. And we're I said that's how you know he'll fit in in Cleveland because he's already fighting dudes from Pittsburgh. Exactly. exactly. I think one of us said that in the clubhouse. Hey, at least we know he hates Pittsburgh. Like I the think rest of Rick it. said that on the broadcast, actually. He probably he probably did. If people heard more of Rick uh, breaking down stuff like that, they would love him even more. Rick Manning is one of the most hilarious guys. But he learned, as he told me, how to keep his job and not say everything that he wants to say. That's the catch-22 uh, yeah. of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. For all of us, right? Like, right, exactly. Like I, have, I, have, I have so many stories, I get halfway in, and I'm like, all right, got to stop it right there. we got to pull back. But the point thing What's is... the statute of limitations that on that? 
Yeah, that's true. And trust me, I got some Brown stories that are coming in the next couple of years. It'll be great. Uh, but that was the great thing about Puig. He came right to our community. It was the same way. Uh, he was truly a giver. I think I texted him a couple of days ago. He's flying to Cuba. I'm taking a bunch of people to Cuba as he goes back to Cuba. Uh, he's a different dude. He's a way different dude, but his heart is way bigger than anyone ever gives him credit for. As an Indians fan, I'll, I'll just ask you this question. I realize this is above you, but can we bring him back? Uh, I I would love it. I think some of the players would love it. I think that I think there is a uh, what's the word? I think there is a worry. I hate saying worry. There's a concern that will you get the same. Like, we bring up the Puig not running the ball out. I think there is some concern that if you give him a multi-year contract, that he may not always run things out the way you want him to. Well, and he had, come out, he had come out and said that it was a contract year, so he's going to play hard this year, and that was already – that kind of took a lot of people back as well. Yeah, and I think that – the Indians don't have anything too bad to say about him. I know he, his clock works a little bit differently than everyone else's <laughs> clock when it comes to showing up one time. Uh, but I think for the most part, he didn't, you know, he didn't ruffle any feathers. I think there is a worry because of that quote and because, you know, I think a lot of people look at, hey, the Dodgers, and now look, the Dodgers have a million outfielders and so many talent ones, talented ones. But when you have a talent like Yassiel Puig and you're willing to, to trade him when he goes into his, tra- into his last year of his contract, it's kind of telling that they didn't want to put themselves in the situation of do you sign him or don't you sign him. I will say this, if the Indians don't, I wouldn't be surprised to see him with the Chicago White Sox. I know they asked a lot about him when we were there. They think he'll fit in good with their, the Cuban guys they have on the team and the youth they have. And I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Madden and the Angels would want him back out in Anaheim uh, just before, because they're looking for a right fielder. And they, I think he would fit that community because of how much they love him in L.A. still because of the time with the Dodgers. We well, get it would be pretty fun. It's kind of a hard thing, too, with Fran Reyes playing virtually the same spots. And, you know, he's 24, he's under contract and all that, too, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, they got to figure out what they're going to do with him. And here's the other question. Do you use him in right field or do you put him over in left field? Uh, because they want to use – and I know Reyes doesn't want to be a full-time DH, and I know the Indians don't want him to be a full-time DH. So that's a good question. Where will they use him at some point in time? One one more question for you from my end. For all the Reds fans out here on that are listening to the show, help us out with Trevor Bauer. Are we going to get a little bit better showing, hopefully, this next year? Yeah. Or what should the yeah. Reds expect from Trevor? I think the Reds are going to have a hell of a rotation, to be completely honest. Uh, and I know that they've hired some of the people. Um, I, I tend to get along with with him. I know he's a different character. I think you got to take your time out to really get to know what he's about. I think last year was a trying year. I think a lot of things that didn't go the way he thought. I think sometimes he overthinks the process, but his stuff is so good. Um, I won't be surprised one year when he went 22, 23 games and wins with Cy Young. Uh, I think with him and Sonny Gray and some of the other things the Reds did with their rotation, uh, especially with the Castillo kid, they've, they've got a one, two, three. That should help them compete every single day. Now, if they can just finish off the bullpen uh, and score runs – I think Trevor Bowers will be fine in Cincinnati. I really do. Maybe we can get Frankie Lindor down south. <laughs> hey, hey, I hey, hope hey, not. hey, hey. <laughs> you take wait your time. Wait, wait. Right. You gotta develop you gotta develop your own. I'm gonna no, kick him out I, of here I right love, now. I love Frankie in Cleveland. He's great for that community as well. He is. If you want to see Frankie and the Reds at the same time, come to spring training. We play about fifty times. talking to Andre Nata Sports Time Ohio and recently big news for you uh, you're now a contributor at Fox 8 yes yes Um, it's really a dream come true if you would have told me 
20 years ago that I'd be able to work there at uh, Fox 8 with John Tellard, someone that I truly look up to and respect. It's been really cool. Uh, it's not a full-time gig because of my full-time gig that I already have. That's uh, not I, a bad a thing. Con- no, no, no. But I had a conversation. I just appreciate what I appreciate more than anything else is I had a conversation with some of the, the people in, in upper management there, and they asked me kind of my thoughts of where sports are going, uh, you know, when it comes to TV news. And, I, and, and my thing was, is like I said, I want to, we need to get to know the people better. We need to get to know the athletes better. There's stories out there, and I figured like we don't tell those stories enough um, because, you know, sports is usually put in a minute and a half, two minutes, and we, and we tell everybody a score of a game that we already know. Uh, and they respected that. And I said, I want to tell stories. There are great stories out here about about sports and about athletes and coaches uh, in Ohio and Northeast Ohio that people should know. Uh, I'm doing a really cool one tomorrow. I'm going to Manchester High School uh, here near Akron, uh, and I'm going to catch up with Coach Jim France. And most people would squint their eyes and say, who, what, where, why? Uh, well, if you're in the state of Ohio, you know the importance of high school football. Uh, and I'm going to interview the guy that's got the most wins in OHSAA history. Uh, he's still the coach. He's got a big game on Friday night against Orville. Uh, they just got a big win against one of their uh, rivals last week. Uh, he almost has three. He almost has three hundred, or he almost has four hundred wins. The field's named after him that they play at. He, he was the principal there. His whole staff at one time, because he's coached there so long, at one time either played for him uh, or there were sons of guys that played for him. I just think it's one of those cool stories because they're a small school. They've never won a state championship. They had an appearance in the 90s in the state championship game. Uh, it's one of those stories that's easy to gloss over when we grab the paper Saturday morning to see who won or when we grab the paper on Friday to see, you know, to see who's playing against each other. But to me, a small community that has a coach like that, it's one of those stories that makes Ohio, Ohio, and makes high school football so great. They've got uh, a young defensive tackle. His last name is Sherman. I'm, I, I, his first name escaped my brain, but um, is my buddy's kid, and, and he just raves about – the program that they have there and how it sets him up for the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, I think, and, I, and I'm not putting any coaches down. I got a lot of friends that are high school coaches. It's what I would be doing if I wasn't doing what I'm doing. But there's so many coaches that, that worry about so many other things and, 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 and trying to get kids into college and trying to, you know, and, and put mixtapes together. Uh, it's good to see a guy like Jim France who just wants kids to be kids and wants kids to, uh, you know, do all the same things that we learned when we were growing up. And he knows how to motivate them still. He knows how to, you know, push, he knows how to push kids. He knows, you know, and it's funny. I talk to these high school coaches and I always say, you know, what's the biggest difference in kids maybe today from 30 years ago? And they all say it's no difference in the kids. It's the difference in the parents and the surroundings and what we expect from them. That's why the OHSA has to keep sending out memos. Right. So I, it's why we can't, it's why we can't keep referees. Right. You know, it's like, we, you know, and it's not the coaches, the coaches, well, it's the parents. And, and no offense to anybody, but, hey, man, everybody wants Johnny to be great. But, you know, it's, you know, every, there's a role for everybody in life and in high school. And I think parents need to take a step back and realize that at times. Well, and it's kind of even where you come at Akron St. V that, you know, they've had that. They've been blessed with talent over the years. But what's always been impressive to me when they come to whether it's flying to the hoop or down in Columbus, that they have tremendous role players who are able to facilitate exactly what Drew Joyce wants to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Drew has been great at kind of finding uh, and getting that right team concept. Look, I'll admit, there's they're, they're, you know, there's 15, 16 kids that go to St. V every year that think they're going to be the next LeBron James. Um, and that's fine. It's fine to dream, but it's also fine to be a real one. <laughs> you know, like I remember I was talking to Frankie Lindor. He's got a nephew who's 16, 15, 16 years old. Uh, and he, you know, he wants to be Frankie. Yeah, yeah. Who blames him? I'm 41. I want to be Frankie. Uh, 
Um, and, and the kids go to high school, and the kids go to the same high school Frankie went to, and he, he came up and he lived with Frankie for about a month during the season. And it was funny because Frankie doesn't have a kid. Frankie's great with kids. He's great with my son. He's great with my daughter. He's great with his nephew. He, he wants to be a dad. And for him, I asked him about his nephew, and he goes, yeah, he's good, but he just doesn't have it yet. And I go, what do you mean it? He goes, well, he's pretty good at, you know, playing short stuff. He goes, but, hell, I was winning home run contests when I was 16. And I go, Frankie, everybody's <laughs> not you. And he kind of chuckled. He goes, yeah, but I wasn't that big. I go, Frankie, everyone's not you. And, and, and I think and for Frankie, he laughed. And he goes, yeah, you're right. It took him a minute to take in what I was saying. I think as parents, we got to do the same thing. Every kid is not going to be a star. But as you said, there's nothing wrong with being the fifth guy, the, the third guy, or the sixth or seventh guy on a team that wins. His ring is exactly the same. Yes. And but to me, it's deeper than that. I think if you find a way to win and you find your role, you, that's what life is, finding your role and, and being successful in it. We're all not going to be LeBron James, Frankie Lindor, but you can be successful in life if you find your place in life and you just kick butt at that job that you have rather than trying to be something that you can't, you can't possibly do. Why is it that hot dogs are still feuding with you? Nah, in reality, I, the, the, the kid that does the mustard costume, he, he's actually a great kid. Um, and he, he loves WWE wrestling. And for some Who reason, doesn't? he wants me so to, do we? he was, yeah, for some reason he wants me to DDT him and make my kids and make my kids cry. He knows every time I mess with him, my son loves him. So it's like, it's like a catch 22 for me one way or the other. Those are two of my favorite things about watching and listening to Indians broadcast are that. And I'm, I'm always curious uh, at what point did the conversation with Jose and the interpreter come up with the home run pitch of you guys just kind of went, all right, we're just going to continue to do this. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. It's, it's so, it's the one thing I love about my job that the Indians and Fox sports have allowed me to do is to show my personality, but also the player's personality. Um, and there's like a running joke. Jim Rosenhouse always says on the team plane, you know, when Jose is good and when he's not, because when Jose comes on the plane, and he pops me in the back of the head. That means we're in for a good road trip. And when, and when we went to Chicago at the end of the year, and his hand was still hurting, he popped me in the back of the head with the left hand. Uh, Rosie looked at me and goes, I think we're good. But he goes, I think we're switch hitting. He hit you with the left hand. <laughs> um, that's just Jose and I's relationship. Uh, the newest interpreter, he was late, he's late to the game. This, this was like two interpreters ago. The thing that I did three years ago um, with Jose is that, does he know English? Yeah, a little bit. He has an understanding. But him and I have a really good relationship. And I sat down and talked to him before his first All-Star game. And I go, dude, you got a chance to be a, a great player. I go, and people are going to want to talk to you from different languages, different places. I go, let's just sit down and do fake interviews. And you and I, in English. And I go, if you don't understand, I go, the interviews aren't going to run on TV. They're not going to run on radio. We've done it in spring training. We do it now during the regular season, like once, or, once a week, once a month now. I'll go with Jose and I will go sit after early DP and I'll do an interview with him in English. And I'll say to him, I say, Hey, in English, I speak kind of fast. I get it. In Spanish, you speak very fast. I, you know, let's slow it down and let's figure it out. What I'm working towards and screw. And, and I love the, the jackasses, excuse my language, the jackasses that tweet at me or tweet at the team. I must be nice not to, to play in this country and I know English. I'd pay half these people that say that. I'd pay them half of my salary if they went to another country and suddenly I put them on live TV and they tried to do an interview in a different language. I respect the guys like Carlos Santana that are willing to do it. I think what people don't realize is that these their own, their own guys make fun of them back in Dominican Republic when they do interviews and they screw up. 
Uh, it's a lot of pressure. And Jose's not comfortable speaking English in front of the camera. But I know how to get English out of them. I know how to make conversations with them. I know how to make way with them. And I've learned a lot about myself by doing that. And I wish more people would do that. Like, look, I can't speak Spanish. I know words. I know when they're cussing at me. I know. I know. I speak I know very poor things. Spanish. Yeah, and, and like, just so imagine going to going to Dominican and doing an interview live on TV. Um, it wouldn't be good. So my point to all of this is, Jose and I, and I learned this from Mike Napoli. Mike Napoli helped turn Jose Ramirez into Jose Ramirez. By and Mike Napoli is this kid from Florida that you know that lived on a farm. It's like there were a lot of house parties. Yeah, but you know, Nap, there's more depth to Nap than what we give him too. Nap realized the dude can play, and they couldn't they couldn't say five words back and forth to each other. But he knew how to pump him up, and he knew how to get him going, and he knew by just by just being around him that gave Jose confidence to be himself. And and I kind of learned that from Nap. Let Jose be himself, and let him be that confident kid that he is. So the whole home run pitch comes from him and I BS constantly, and that was kind of our way. That's you know those. That's a phrase that both of us know. We have a couple in Spanish. We have a couple in English. Uh, but that's one that we can actually say on air. <laughs> Cubs uh, make big news. David Ross, their new manager. I think that'll work for them? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've kind of in baseball circles. You kind of saw that coming from a mile away. That's what I kind of uh, thought. It seems like everybody yeah. knew that one. Yeah, they, I mean... God bless him. I, and David Ross wasn't my favorite person to listen to in the booth. Maybe it's because of 2016. So, uh, congrats. I have Hopefully that problem, too. Him and we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I, I, I still hate the Cubs. I admit that. Mike, Mike um, was at Game 7 of the World Series, and I oh. about every week I'll harass him in some way about that. Uh, we Mike, have you should have kept the tarp off the field, Mike. Well, it's funny you say that. We have a guy here uh, who does our afternoons, and he's a huge Cubs fan. And I tell him all the time, yeah, it's cool, but fake rain delay, bro. Right, right, right. I'll never forget that. Brian Shaw, God bless him. I'll never forget how PO'd he was if they put the tarp on the game because he was ready to go and keep going. And uh, It changes, you know, you hate to go back on it, but it, it did make a big difference. And, and really, between that rain delay and then not then losing three games in a row, to the Yankees at 17. I thought the 17 team was set up to win it all. I was there for it that, too. work out. <laughs> God, Maybe it's Mike, me. <laughs> uh, it's one of us. We both were there. <laughs> the worst part about the rain delay is my wife, at, and that was at like 1130, sent me to right. go get her something to drink. Everything's closed. I'm halfway across the stadium, and she's like, yeah, you might want to get back here. Uh, what? It's 16 minutes. Right, all right, right, whatever. right, right. Yeah. Uh, what a, what a, thanks for reminding me of all this. So we're just going to bet. from a Reds from fan, by the way. Field. <laughs> hey, you should know, late, deep in the game, you don't leave. You stay at your seat no matter what. <laughs> also, happy wife, happy life. Just to point that no out. Doubt. No, today, no doubt. Today is her birthday, so I'm going to speak very well of her. Yes, happy birthday to her, and hope you guys have a wonderful day for that. Thank you so much for joining us. We'd love to have you back on uh, as we get closer to the next baseball season. Who do you have in the World Series, by the way? Uh, for next year? For this year. Who who do you have winning this year? Oh, uh, you know, uh, I I said all year long, and speaking of wives, my wife's pretty uh, astute at her sport. She played soccer in college. Don't you hate that? Um, not, yeah, actually, I like it. It drives my wife and I. We we got a pretty good It's great until you're wrong. Right, right. Oh, and, and, and that happens plenty. But that hell, if it's not sports, it's life. So, you know, what's the difference, right? <laughs> right. Um <laughs> But I told her, 
even when I about a month ago in the season, I didn't think the Indians were making. I said, you know what, we don't want to make it this year anyway. It's going to be the the Astros year. Um, but by beating Gary Cole last night and knowing the how ridiculous the Houston Astros organization is and how they deal with certain things, uh, I hope the, I, I want Michael Brantley. I've been I've talked to Michael Brantley throughout the playoffs. I want Brant to win a World Series ring. He deserves it. He's a he's a Hall of Fame person before he's a Hall of Fame baseball player. Uh, he's one of my favorite people in, in the world. Um, but I hope that's when. Uh, but if the Astros win it, um, I wouldn't be surprised. Verlander and, and Cole have been two. They've been two most dominant starting pitchers I've seen in the last three years. Um, and like my love for Brant is, is big. But at this point, with how they treat women and all the different other stuff, not you know. And I know you know what. I'm big, I'm good friends with Joe Smith too. There are good people in that Astros team. Uh, they just have some derelicts that, that, are, that are around the team. Uh, but I, I, I prefer the Nationals to win at this point in time. It was May 22nd, the last time that Garrett Cole has lost a start. Amazing, isn't it? That's Amazing. Crazy. It's crazy. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. You got it, man. At, I appreciate you guys' time. Okay. The one and only Andre Nott. If you've got problems with things he said, at Dre Nott on Twitter, he loves <laughs> when people send him messages. Yeah, bring it. I've become more mature. I don't go back and forth as much, but I'll go back a little bit with you. (laughs) (laughs) We we hope to have you on again. Again, thank you so much. You got it, Mike. You guys be good. Take care, boys. Back after this with more here on Sports Corner on K94. Back here on Sports Corner on K94, Mike and Nate. I'm so thrilled to have Brandon Godden. You can hear him as a voice of Madden. He'll say your favorite team has won the Super Bowl. Hopefully, you're uh, good enough to win the Super Bowl. Nate has had... Quite an adventure, Brandon, because he's happy to hear you say the Cleveland Browns are Super Bowl champions. It's funny because we, when we recorded those lines, and we recorded those really early on, probably the first year I was doing it three years ago, and at the time the Browns were still the laughing stock of the league, and I'm, I'm not so sure they still aren't, but we'll see how the season goes. But um, when we recorded the Browns as Super Bowl champions, our producer Ed Brady hit the talkback button and like, yeah, that'll never happen. So I, uh, I always have felt for Browns fans and being from Indiana and close, I have a soft spot in my heart for Browns fans. But hopefully this year, as we, we, as we hope to see, will be a little bit better. Well, Evansville's not that far. Did you grow up a Colts fan? I did, and I wasn't really a huge Colts fan when I was younger. And then, obviously, once Peyton Manning gets there and they start getting great in the, around 2000, that's when and, – and that also – was the time that I started to go to Butler, and I would go to a lot of the Colts games, so that's when I really started to buy into the Colts fandom. Um, but when I was growing up, yeah, down in Evansville, you're kind of in no man's land, and you, you cater more towards basketball, and that's when Bob Knight and the Hoosiers were hot. Uh, and I, gosh, I remember the battles between those old Calvert Chaney teams and the Jimmy Jackson teams of Ohio State. So I grew up more a basketball fan, and then once I got to college and Peyton Manning got to Indianapolis, that's when football started to become much more of a thing for me. Peyton Manning's not a, a bad driving force to be a fan. No, no. he. I think he converted the whole city. I mean, it was – look, yeah, there were good days before that, and there were some Harbaugh days and all that, but I think when, when Peyton Manning got there, it just – it completely revolutionized the franchise. Um, and now, obviously, we're seeing them go through some interesting times with the block not there and Brissett there. But, yeah, I mean, seeing the transition of Colts fans from early to mid-90s to around 2000 and beyond when Manning was having all that success, I mean, it's not even comparable. It's night and day. Well, luckily, I know a couple of them that uh, have kind of converted themselves to Browns fans in the area here. 
So I guess they're hoping that they do get to hear you say about that Super Bowl. <laughs> I want to hear it in real life. Yeah, well, if if you do, it'll probably be Buck or Nance saying it, but that would be pretty sweet for those Browns fans. I, I don't know. That week one uh, obviously shocked everybody with how awful they looked, but now a little bit of a bounce back, although they did beat the Jets, so we can hold that with some caution. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 I'm you on. Gotta uh, you got to give them know, something. Well, I'm sure you guys talk about Baker Mayfield a lot. I'm just not sure where I stand on him. Forget about as a player. I don't know. Sometimes it just strikes me that he's going to be one of these guys that is always in the middle of a something he said controversy. And I, I hope that that's not the case because he obviously is talented. I, I hope that he can prove himself to be a, a good 10 to 12 year quarterback in this league. I, I think if the Browns are winning, it's not going to be a big deal. But once they start dropping the big games and losing and not being as successful as predicted, then I think you're going to start hearing a lot more of the off-the-field shotgun and the beer antics that yeah. Mayfield likes to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, like you said, hopefully we won't have to deal too much with that. To be fair, there's a lot of good bars in the Cleveland area, I'm just saying. I totally <laughs> understand it. I, bet, I spent a lot of time there. You get uh, – you, t- you look at your resume, and it always amuses me to just think – you're always the guy after this great, amazing guy. You get uh, Georgia Tech with West Durham. You get Madden after Jim Nance. Is that a pressure thing going into that? Yeah. Uh, thanks for pointing that out. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're doing like everybody knows that- <laughs> hearing it. You're doing a great job. It's just a question of it first. Uh, no, thank you. I appreciate that. When I got to Georgia Tech, I knew West Durham had been there 29 years. Um, and so I knew that there was going to, or 19 years, I don't know if I'm, maybe I'm re- not remembering that correctly. He's going to write you anyway, been, been, a postcard been there about a long, that. Yeah, been there a long time and had gone through a lot of tech memories. And also, he was at a time when being the radio voice of a team was very impressionable, right? We listened to the radio a lot more. Not everything was available every Saturday on TV. And so I knew that there there was some pressure. And what I said when I took the job is really cliche, but it truth the truth because they asked me the same question i was like look i've known west durham i know how big of a deal he is in atlanta uh, and he does the falcons too i i I said you can't fill his shoes that's impossible you have to kind of go out and buy your new pair and and start your own little trim and and that's how i felt when i took over for madden because not only was it nance but Dutch johnson has done it al michaels and i just realized look i'm coming in without a name nobody knows who i am uh, and some of that is good, right? Because you, you come in maybe with a little less pressure be, uh, for your own. Like there's no pressure of what you've done in your past, but there is pressure and an expectation to meet the standard that the guys before you that have come that have laid that foundation. So yeah, both instances were very daunting, I guess. And, and you hear a lot of times some negativity of, oh, you're not like this guy. You're not like that guy. And I've I've really just had to not listen to that as best as I can and just try to do my job to the best of my ability and realize that just like someone who follows me, they're going to have strengths that I don't have. They're going to have weaknesses that I do have um, and vice versa um, and, and just try to press into that. So that's as I've gone on in my career, that's something I've really tried to hold on to is, is yes, you can take outside criticism and feedback and use it for good. But when it's just flat out negativity and hatred, <laughs> try to as best you can let that roll off your back and press on. When you sign on for that, is that uh, kind of a, a long term thing or more of a year to year sort of thing? You mean the Madden game? Yeah. 
it's so we first did a, a four-year deal um and we're now in year five so um i to be honest not that it's a big deal i'm not sure what i'm allowed to say but i i know that right I can I, say I, that yeah I've i didn't signed. mean a contract no 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 i know i know i'm just but i can tell you that i'm signed on for the fifth year uh, for madden what will that be madden 21 that will come out next fall because madden 20 just came out so it's I didn't, it's when, when I first went down there for the audition, I didn't expect anything to come of it. And then when they offered it, I thought, ah, oh, maybe this will be a couple of years. And now that we're in year five, it's, you know, it's more than I could have ever envisioned. And it's been a big learning curve and a lot of travel, but it's been, the, the pros certainly have outweighed the cons. So I'm just going to keep writing it until they rip the mic away or kick me out of the studio, whatever comes first. They don't send you another plane ticket? Yeah. <laughs> So they send me a plane ticket away from Orlando and they stop booking me down to Orlando, then I know that we'll be in some trouble. Why are they sending me to Biloxi, Mississippi? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's a one way. And oh it's oh, and it's a Greyhound bus. It's not a, even a plane. So <laughs> now w- with everything that comes with Madden, I know you I would imagine you have a weekly uh meeting where you have to sit down and record new stuff, uh just for the live updates that you can play, but are you in, are you responsible for all the creativity and everything that's heard on the game, or do you have some producers kind of helping you out and just giving you some stuff to say? There's a writer, um, and then there's a producer. The writer is really more responsible for what we say. Um, he's also the designer of the game. So what, what's what's confusing about the game for people that you know don't know how the commentary works, and I had no idea about this, is that all those lines obviously are not recorded together. They're all really short lines that are then stitched and designed to be played back to back. Like a trigger. So during, yeah. So during any play, if I say Brady drops to pass, throws it complete to Edelman, and he's tackled at the forty-five, and that'll bring up third down and three. Well, everywhere that I stopped is a completely different line that was probably recorded not only in different days probably different months, maybe even different years. And then the design of the game is so that the computer works fast enough. It's, it's triggering all of those lines to play in succession. And the hope is that when you're playing it, you think that it was all recorded together in one sitting, but it wasn't. And so naturally you're going to have times where voice inflection is off. Things sound a little different, um, but that's, that's the design of the game, and the guy who designs it also writes it, and he's a really smart guy, and a lot of times he'll come in if we're doing quarterback runouts, and he'll have bullet points listed for me of things I can say. Now, here comes Tom Brady. He's now in his 40s, and he's won this many Super Bowls and this many MVPs. Charles, how much longer can he do it? And then we move on to the next quarterback, and he'll have more bullets listed for that. So he does write some stuff, but he expects Charles and I to then take it and kind of craft it into our own wording so it doesn't sound so robotic. Uh, now, Charles is just amazing. Charles is an encyclopedia. He, he does all these, all these live updates that we do, uh, like we did yesterday for games around the NFL. I'll just tee him up, and he just like, yeah, hey, this guy caught that many passes, and they got to watch their offensive line. And, and this is a team that he hasn't had. He just somehow knows everything about every team. So he really makes the game magical from an analyst standpoint. I'm relying more on bullet points to set him up and kind of put the ball on the tee for him, and then he takes it from there. So it's a little bit of both. It is it is some just scripted, um, and it is some ad lib. But ultimately, we are guided by that that writer and designer of the game. 
So when the uh, the game glitches and the things don't stitch together right, do you get the hate mail on Twitter or, or does EA Sports? Oh yeah, oh we get hate mail all the time, <laughs> and there and it's how, how did you not know that I scored a touchdown when I ran or you know the I'll, they'll run out of bounds at the forty and I'll say touchdown and they're like. How did you not know? I mean, I, I, it was clear that I wasn't in the end zone. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm sorry, buddy. I was in a studio. I wasn't watching your game. I just was reading. I was just reading a line. That they told You're not me voicing to read. over every one of my games individually. <laughs> so I know that sometimes that is lost. And uh, the other thing that is really I, that initially was frustrating, and I, this is another thing I'm trying to just let roll off my back is. I don't sound in the game like I sound in real life. Nance didn't, Gus didn't. It's like, more you're, canned. You're, yeah, it's canned. It's that you don't have the crowd noise, and a lot of times you're not going to be able to hit the inflection right. Like in a real live game, when a ball and you guys know this, when a ball is caught over the middle, you're like, and that's caught. He's got it at the forty-five. Well, sometimes in the game, that punching of a word is three seconds early or three seconds delayed. And so it just doesn't feel right a lot of the times. And they're trying their best to make it sound like a real-life broadcast, but it's never going to. And so I think people are like, oh, man, you, we wish we had someone who really knew how to call a game. I just want to say, well, I'm sorry, guys, doing my best, but it's not going to sound in there like it does when somebody calls a real game. Uh, it's just there, there are always going to be shortcomings. It's always going to be, be a video game no matter how far the advancements come are made, I should say. I quite literally want to do the entire hour just asking you things about this, but I know that you have uh, a busy schedule. This week, uh, you've got Ohio State on TV, right? Yes, got Ohio State and Miami of Ohio. So uh, we'll see if the Red Hawks can keep it interesting. That's one way to put it. <laughs> but it, it's the I Joe will- Buck theory. You hate everybody's team, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I, thankfully, I don't get as much uh, of those hate mail tweets as Joe Buck, obviously, because he's a big name and I'm not. But you, yeah, you do occasionally get the after a game if the team lost, you do get more of the angry tweets from that side, or you can tell that the team was doing bad and then started to succeed because there'll be angry tweets from the start of the game, and then all of a sudden their team's winning by two touchdowns, and then it's the other team that's angry. Uh, and sometimes you have to deal with the betters too. You can tell when a guy has has lost some money uh, on a game because as it goes south for him, he'll he'll let you know about it. And that's because totally, clearly that was you. Yeah, that's your fault. Yeah, yeah, it's my fault. <laughs> I get it though. I look, I'm a fan. Like I've gotten mad at announcers before. I I've gotten mad at quarterbacks and 18 year old kids that I shouldn't be getting mad at. I understand. Like we're we're, it, it's good. It's a passion. That's why that's why people want to have the games on television. I, so I, I try to view it from that lens that it's okay. I try to laugh sometimes at it. Like, yeah, I've been that guy before, and I need to be better at that, and I think that person shouldn't be saying that to me, but I get it, and we're all human, and uh, that's, that's the lens I try to view it. Uh, now, I know you're a very busy person, but when you do get time to sit down and possibly play some Madden, is it kind of cool to just sit back and – realize that all the hard work that you've put into it is being enjoyed by millions across of America? So I actually don't have a system, and I have only played it twice outside of the studio, both times with my brother's uh, son, my nephew. He's beaten me both times. One time I was close. I almost beat him. Uh, the other time, he was a Steelers, I was a Colts, and I think he beat me 31-10. to 10. 
and he's 10. So there's the good news <laughs> is you scored. I did score. I actually scored a touchdown. I, I had a pick six. Um, well, no, I, my offense didn't. My offense didn't score. Well, I but, guess uh, I'm just happy since you, I guess, don't play it. I do, and I can now finally hear my last name thanks to uh, Jarrett Stidham this year. Oh, nice, nice. So you get that in the game. Yeah. Um, well, let me. I'll say something to that in a second. But yeah, it it, it was neat to see my nephew be excited. You know, it was kind of like a, a proud uncle moment. He really enjoyed playing while we were listening to the commentary. It, because of what I was saying earlier about it sounding different than a real game, it's tough for me to play. I, I hate hearing the commentary. I hear, oh, that line shouldn't have fired there, or my voice inflection's off, or why did I drag out that word? You know, because there, there's just things that you can't mimic in real life. So I get frustrated uh, the couple times that I have played it. They will have us do what they call play tests at EA, where Charles and I sit in, and they play the game for us, and they get our input on what we like and what would be different, what would we say differently. And uh, same thing. I, there's some frustrating moments in that, but I appreciate that they like, they like our feedback. The one thing I was going to say in regards to the Stidham name being in the game is that over the last year, we've recorded thousands of names that I think are, I don't, I don't know if they win in this year or next year, but they're going to go into the game. We just basically went out down the census of the top names in the United States. Um, and so a lot more people are going to be able to play with their name. But you've got to realize I'm only saying the name once and it has to be stitched everywhere. So it's going to be Johnson back to pass. So it's going to probably sound a little wonky. But people want to hear their name in the game for whatever reason, so we will be having more names in there. So remember the first time I heard it, I was like, what? Wait, awesome. <laughs> so thank you. Well, I know yeah, you, you, uh, you are a busy guy, and you've got a couple things coming up. Uh, people want to reach out. They want to say good things about you. That's all that I hope that happens. And find you on social media. How do they find you? Well, I don't do much on social media, but I am present on Twitter. It's at Brandon Gordon. Um, and I, yeah, I'm just not, I use Twitter more for, for news and I use Instagram to look at pictures of my nieces and nephews. Um, so I'm probably not the best follow, but that, that is where you can reach me. I do also use it to, I try to respond to anybody that sends me something good, bad, or indifferent. So if you, if you want to hurl tomatoes at me, that's fine too. It's <laughs> at Brandon Gordon on Twitter. <laughs> It's the Toe Jam and Earl Virtual Tomatoes. It's perfect. Yeah, right. Thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, we'll see what happens in that battle for the state of Ohio this weekend. Hopefully a lot of uh, a lot of people that are happy one way or the other, since at I'm, least with yeah. you. Since I'm not calling yeah. the game, I'll say go Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that, but there you go. Good luck to your Buckeyes. <laughs> That's the voice of Madden as well as many other things and Brandon Gordon. Thanks for listening so much. Be sure to tune back in and find out when the next episode airs. I am blessed with so many great characters in my life to be able to share with you.